Sports Radio 104.3 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, here's Terry. Good morning. I'm broadcasting from northern Minnesota, very close to Lake Bemidji, in the town of Bemidji. This is uh, Karen. Of course, you're all familiar with Karen, my wife, producer, co-host on the television show, and she's done quite a bit on-air radio with me, too. This is her hometown. I actually, I actually, well, I used to say I grew up here, but Karen reminds me I just got older in Minnesota that I never grew up. But my uh, hometown, uh, same one as Bob Dylan, by the way, is uh, it's about 90 miles from here, Karen, about 90 miles from here, about an hour and a half drive. But this is old home. Last week, I took the drive down to meet my lifetime fishing partner, Greg Claudio, that we've been fishing together since we were two years old. Um, we're cousins. We've been in the industry together. We've been in the music industry together. We've <clears throat> traveled and done a lot of things together, but mostly we've fished and hunted together our whole lives. And it's always great to see him. We we live, you know, 1,200 miles apart now, but when we get together, it's very, it's a very satisfying thing. We caught a bunch of fish yesterday. We caught a nice group of walleyes, nothing huge, but a bunch of good fish. And <clears throat> we uh, lost track of the number of pike we caught. No giants, but constant action. And we had a great time in the boat just catching fish and bantering. I'll, I'll post something on Facebook uh, about that uh, sometime this weekend. We got a lot of fishing in Colorado to cover. The rains have come. The runoff is running. The water levels are up. The rivers are up. We're going to talk about all of that. Cooler weather and fishing should stay good for a long time. Rivers may be a little blown out. We'll talk about that, too. And then we have a few other topics to cover. So let's go to the phones and kind of get things kicked off here. Joining us from Brad Peterson Outdoors is Brad Peterson. Good morning, Brad. Good morning, Terry. Oh, like I just said Brad Peterson like four times in a row. But, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know I, I'm sure you were listening to the Open, but it's a dip. Every year now we're saying it's a different year, but spring in one way or another seems to come at a different way and summer eases in in a different way. We get wet, we get cold, then all of a sudden we get dry, we get hot. But it's been a pretty wet, cool spring. And that's uh, done wonders for the water levels. It's a, and I'm sure it's affecting the fishing too. Yeah, it has. We uh, after last year's dry conditions that we had, I tell you what, uh, it is a true blessing to have a wet year like this that has allowed all of our lakes along the kind of northeast part of the state to fill back up and be sitting in really good condition. And um, what I'm hearing talking to a bunch of the farmers out in the Northeast is they've had enough moisture. They still aren't going to need to place a call on the river for a while to irrigate. So I expect these lake levels to stay pretty good, uh, at least through the month of June here. Now, what about the ponds? I, I haven't gone out and checked cause I've been traveling and doing other things. Um, I'll be back, uh, middle of this week and, I'm going to get out and start doing more fishing in Colorado and checking things. But a lot of times, I, don't, I instead of taking my boat out, I like to head out and fish bass and panfish and even stock trout in the ponds. Are the ponds were slow to fill up this year? Have you been able to notice anything there? You know, it 
it varies a little bit. The ponds that are ditch fed, a lot of those have not been getting water just because the ditches have not been running to fill them up yet. The ponds that are uh, sub, uh, you know, the water comes up from below, those have all kind of filled up because we have so much water in the water table right now that those have definitely got up to a high level, so they're doing well. And the nice thing about this kind of cooler, uh, wet weather that we've been having is the ponds that get, you know, that, that mossed over real early in the summer and make it really difficult to fish, that's kind of been held back still. So you're getting a longer time to fish some of those ponds that maybe normally by this time of year uh, might be a little bit challenging to get get to the fish. Now, I haven't checked, I said, but I would think that a lot of the ponds, the bluegills are still on the beds. And without that weed cover on top, that moss that's hard to fish through, this might be a great time to hit those ponds for bluegills. Yeah, the bluegills are definitely, you know, either getting on the beds or still on the beds in most of the areas. I would say, you know, you've got probably another week of that going on before uh, the temperatures kind of change and, and that gets wrapped up. But that is a great time of year to get out there, get some action, catch some fish with kids. Uh, remember to kind of practice per, uh, selective harvest when you're doing that because this is the time of year that those bluegills are producing the bluegills that you're going to catch, you know, the young of the year, the fish that you're going to be catching three, four years down the road. So if you go in there and, and take a bunch of fish off those beds, you're going to be hurting that pond for numerous years to come. But the other thing is really good this time of year when they are up on the bed is you can get a real good feel for what the size distribution is in a pond. You know, some of them, some ponds are full of just real small bluegill and some have better size ones in them. And when they're up on the beds, you can see a lot of those fish and get a better feel for uh, what the sizes are within each given pond. You know, and it's a great time with the rivers still pretty blown out in a lot of places. Not that you can't fish the rivers. And we'll talk a little bit about that off and on during the day. But um, a lot of times fly fishermen wait. This is a great time for them to go up in the mountains and fish trout. But it's also a great time for them to fish the warm water, bluegills and bass in the ponds and lakes. Great time for fly fishermen to work the still water. Let's kind of go through some of the bites you're seeing out there, both good and bad. Take us through what you're seeing. You know, the northeast, the I-76 corridor, due to the low water that we had last year, they're still fishing tough. I don't know if the fish got lost with the low water, uh, whether it just because we haven't had the real warm temperatures, the lakes haven't warmed up enough to get the bites going. But if I was going to go out that I-76 corridor, I'd probably target Pruitt being the primary one. All the lakes are full, but the bites just aren't really good. So if you have a choice, I would stick along the northern front range area. That, that has been fishing phenomenal. You know, we can start up north. Douglas has got a good bite going for the sauger up there and for panfish up in the shallows. So that's a good one that often gets overlooked by people. It's a smaller lake, so on the weekends when the bigger uh, state parks and Larimer County parks are crowded with recreational boats, 
it's a place that you can go, get out, do a little fishing, and get away from the big crowds there. Then moving a little bit further south, you've got Horse Tooth. Then Horse Tooth is still coming up. It's probably about four feet from full pool. The smallmouth are just in the process of wrapping up spawning, and so they are ready to eat. So I tell you what, it is a the next few weeks are going to be peak time to go out and catch a lot of smallmouth up along the shorelines at Horse Tooth, anywhere from 10 feet and shallower. Uh, I was out there earlier this week and did really good pitching jigs and just little plastics, kind of like the jig worms that you'd use up in Minnesota or uh, paddle tails. And then uh, talked to some guys that were out there fly fishing, and they were catching some nice smallmouth, you know, up to that 16-inch range, uh, pitching shorelines with flies, little streamers. So you've got that going on, and I was able to find a, a deeper trolling bite for some of the bigger trout. Uh, they're kind of in that uh, 20 to 30-foot range below the schools of smelt. So that is worth taking a look. Come a little bit further south, and uh, Boyd Lake has finally reached capacity. It is as full as they can get it. They've shut the ditch off. So there is a ton of cover along the shoreline that has been flooded. Now, it's all just recently flooded, so the fish haven't quite moved in there. But if you target that 6 to 10-foot range, you're going to be able to catch walleye, perch, bluegill, and the large and smallmouth bass are kind of in that depth range. And I would expect the bass to start pushing shallow here in the next week or so as they get accustomed to all the new stuff that's flooded. And a little bit further south, Carter, the walleyes are doing good, fishing kind of the west shoreline, uh, fish the structure, the points, the rocks there. Uh, They're really starting to turn on, and there's some nicer-sized ones, a lot of those 18 to 20-inchers. The last one I'll kind of touch on is Union down by Longmont. It's... um, the wipers have really turned on, and there is a lot of those 14-and-a-half to 15-inch wipers, and then you can get into some up to 20 to 25 inches there, and they're hitting uh, bottom bouncers and spinners or crankbaits, and, and while you're doing that, you're picking up a decent number of walleye as well. So that northern front range area, that's where I would concentrate my effort. You know... I want to talk about you brought you mentioned Carter, Horsetooth and Boyd all fishing fairly well and all full of water or close to full. Three lakes that are in the same region couldn't fish more differently from each other than those three though, as far as the available forage, the location of the fish, and the topography of the lake. Would you agree? Oh, absolutely. You know, you've got the the forage that smelled up in horse tooth and, and a lot of smallmouth bass, and so it kind of changes the way that lake fishes, whereas Carter doesn't have a whole lot of flor- forage in, in the lake. It's a lot more sterile, uh, clear, colder, so the fish are going to relate a lot more to the shorelines there. They don't go out and suspend as much. And then Boyd's more of a, of a shallow water lake, and a lot of shoreline cover, so fish are going to be up in that area. So, yeah, you have to, you know, go back to the to the old FLP system we all learned back in the 80s and 90s from the in fishermen and evaluate each lake you're going to separate because you could go to fish walleyes at Horsetooth, Boyd, and Carter, 
and each one of them at the same time of year, you're going to be using it potentially a different presentation to catch those fish. Yeah. And they'll be positioned differently because uh, the number one influence, you know, we always used to joke fish, fish only have two activities. They eat and have sex and they only do the sex part for a short period every year. The rest of the time it's about survival. They're not down there playing pickup basketball or chess. They're, they're going to find comfortable places when they're not eating. And when they're eating, they're going to have to find ways to go where the food is. And in all three of those lakes, it's so different. You know, a lot of guys will come out here from the Midwest. And I'm out here in Minnesota right now. We were walleye and pike fishing yesterday. Had a really good time. Uh, but if, if they came to those lakes, they might do really well one day. And then we'd have a two or three foot water change, a forage spawn. And it would do completely different. Where here, these fish get more pattern into patterns you can follow. They move, but they're used to where's the break line, where's the weed line. I mean, if, if the water changes a foot here, it's dramatic. And the forage base is pretty solid. It's the same. And you have defined weed edges because the water levels don't change. So you know where that weed edge is. And a lot of people read the stuff that even I used to write for in Fisherman in the past or some of the things you did when you were there. Or they watched the videos we did when we were back there. <clears throat> and it's really, you've got to, there's good information in those, but applying it to the Western reservoirs is a whole different ball game. That it is. You know, one of the big things, and you kind of touched on it, is the forage back there a lot of the times is perch, uh, minnows, you know, panfish. Those, once they get set up in their summer pattern, they don't move. Whereas out here, the shad, the smelt, those are known for moving drastic distances on our bodies of water. I mean, the wind changes, moves the plankton, and the shad can be all on the north side of Boyd one day, and the next morning you come up, and you won't see a shad anywhere on that north side. They'll all be on the south side. So you have to be a lot more open-minded when you're an angler out in Colorado as far as, okay, I know what the fish are looking for, but and looking for that food you may have to change where you're fishing and uh, possibly your presentation as well because our lakes do change so much quicker than a lot of other places around the country. Brad, we are out of time. If somebody wants to book a trip or they just want more information from your, you do a NOCO report on fishing that comes out once a week, how do they find you and get your report and book trips? Uh, if you're looking at booking a trip, you can find me at Brad Peterson Outdoors on Facebook or give me a call at 303-829-3998. And if you want to get the fishing report, it's nocofishingnews.substack.com. Sign up. It's free. And uh, I kind of do weekly updates about uh, the current bites, conditions on the bodies of water, and then also other general things going on where CPW stocking fish meetings coming up that fishermen might be interested in. So good resource there for those that fish the uh, northern part of Colorado. All right. Thank you, my friend. We'll talk to you again soon. All right. Thanks, Terry. This is Brad Peterson. Hey, by the way, speaking of fishing reports, you know, we had sporadic Colorado Parks and Wildlife fishing reports. They're hiring new personnel trying to get that straightened out. They actually have issued another fishing report yesterday. That's two in a row in two weeks. Karen has it posted on our Facebook page. 
Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, and that'll give you up-to-date state reports. It'll give you stocking reports and fishing surveys. So the Colorado Fishing Report, the brand-new one from yesterday, is on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on Facebook. We're going to take a time out. We come back, we're going to change things up and talk about some different kinds of activities in Colorado. Right here on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. We're going to change topics up here a little bit. Let's go right to the phones. And uh, who do I have? Do I have Jessica and Jasmine both? Yes. Yes. Good morning, ladies. Good morning. How are you? I'm I'm doing well. I'm in northern Minnesota. How's the weather down where you guys are at? I'm in my home area. It's pretty it's great. Beautiful. Yeah, it's it's uh, nice and clear skies, a little bit of clouds, but it's really, really nice. It's been a cool, um, wet spring, but boy, did we need it, didn't we? And everything's filling up. And it, it, I'm going to get to a point that the rain and the high waters probably make it interesting for you two. And that's the fact that you're into archaeology and exploring. And I'll bet when you get heavy water flows and fluctuating it exposes new things for you to explore doesn't it without a doubt yeah Yeah. you want to talk about that a little bit like we were actually just out in red rocks park uh this past week and that was a big thing that we have been seeing actually with all the water flow yeah yeah uh, the water yeah it's it's beautiful too there's uh ephemeral drainages that aren't usually full of water that are bustling right now and the flowers and the mushrooms and fungi, everything is in full bloom and it's beautiful and the archaeology definitely gets exposed the more water that flows through. So we're finding different things that we weren't thinking we'd find. Well, you're on today to talk about an upcoming event. It doesn't happen until this fall, but we want to give people a head start. We will talk about it more again as we get closer, but for about 11 years, I think, uh, Roxborough State Park has put on uh, what what I believe they call International Archaeology Day. It's it's an international event, but they did an event during that. But that event actually outgrew um, their capacity of both people and uh, infrastructure to handle, which is fantastic. So they kind of contacted you guys, and you're going to take it over in conjunction. They're going to help you. But um, tell people a little, but your company is called... uh, Community Connections, tell people a little bit about yourselves. Yeah, so yeah, our company is Community Connections LLC. Jess and I are both archaeologists and have been practicing in the field for the last decade or so. Um, so we've got quite a bit of experience between the two of us. Uh, but really what we're all about is connecting the community to archaeology, heritage, and history. Um, and so International Archaeology Day is just an awesome event to do all of those things. And since that's what our business is about, that's why we were approached. Um, and so obviously there's, it's, it's a really big um, event. It's grown over the years. Um, I think right before the pandemic hit, they were up to having about 800 attendees, um, which is amazing. Um, but what's really special about this event is we bring archaeology to you. So we have all kinds of different exhibitors set up. Um, last year, we had over 20 different tables and booths and vendors. It's all free to the public, which is super cool. Um, so you get to come and look at artifacts, uh, 
learn about the cultural sites around in the area. Um, there's also going to be archaeological companies there that will share with you about their work and what they're doing. History Colorado always shows up. Um, so there's activities for kids. There's activities for adults. We usually um, do um, professional lectures and it's all free. So you're welcome to uh, sit in and learn more about history and culture and the outdoors. And because we're having it at Red Rocks, we're actually going to have a little special ranger led tour as well for free that people can sign up for. Um, so while you're learning a little bit about history, you can also learn a little bit about um, the natural environment at Red Rocks Park as well. So Jess, do you have anything else to add to that? No, I think you covered most of it. Um, for the adults, we do have Brewery Regally making a historic beer for us. Um, so we're going to be bringing that in. We've got food trucks. It's going to be a really fun event. So we're, we're really looking forward to it. We've got amazing partners with Colorado Preservation Inc. And all the partners that Jasmine had mentioned and more. So it's going to be a really fun time. And we hope everybody can show up and come and enjoy with us. Now, when is the actual event going to take place? It's on October 21st, which is a Saturday. It's from 9 to 2 p.m. It's in the southern lot at Red Rocks Park. Now, it used to be they'd had it, I believe they had it at Roxboro, and then they had it at a school or whatever. So is there other changes? It's going to be the center of it will be Red Rocks this year. Any other, will there be inclusion of other sites and activities? Yeah, actually, so every year um, along with this event, we offer free cultural on-site tours. And so there's, if people don't know, there's actually a lot of archaeology here in Colorado. Um, and so uh, the Buffalo Bill Museum is actually uh, giving away free tours during this time. So if you've never been there and want to check that out, it's a great opportunity. Um, we also have tours that are going to be going on um, down in Roxborough Park, which is the original location of this event. That is now, obviously, we've outgrown it now. Um, and then we also have some other um, really fun kind of like the CCC camp. So that's the uh, Civilian Conservation Corps, um, which was active at Red Rocks Park in the 30s and 40s, early 40s. Um, they have a beautifully preserved um, camp that is actually not well known. You, you wouldn't even know it was there if you're visiting Red Rocks Park if you weren't looking for it. Um, but it's the best preserved in the nation. Um, and so actually the director of Denver Mountain Parks has um, graciously offered to do a tour uh, for our guests. So that will be a really special experience because the, the public is not allowed back there um, in general. So this will be quite fun to take advantage of. So we have a lot of activities going on. And all of those are going to be listed on our website, um, www.communityconnections.biz. We'll be posting there regularly all of the exhibitors that we'll have, all the activities, the signups for the tours. So that will be kind of your main hub to get all of the great information for International Archaeology Day. Now, when you and I talked earlier in the week, I understand you still would like to have some more exhibitors. Is that still the case? Absolutely. Yeah. We would love anybody who is history-related or uh, just interested in the outdoors comes down. Um, we, are, uh, we have a big space this year, so we are open to having many, many more exhibitors. And would those exhibitors contact you also through the uh, website? Yes, yeah, that's probably the best way to. Um, like Jasmine said, she'd already given the website information, but we would love to hear from you if you would like to be an exhibitor at Red Rocks this year. So let us know. Yeah, and it's and actually it's free. 
there's no like fee or anything to be an exhibitor. So, um, oh, that's everybody. Awesome. So this, yeah, this event is really aimed at just getting education and information and fun out to the public. You're not charging to attend, not charging for exhibitors. It really is um, aimed at just having a good time, and it's for all ages. It's family friendly, and you know, I always say, if you don't know where you come from, you really don't know where you're going. And anything that puts you in touch with history and natural history and evolution all the things that have evolved here in colorado it'd be so interesting the website again is communityconnections.biz is that right that's right correct all right well we'll we'll keep mentioning that and we'll get you ladies on again when we get close to the uh the event itself and remind people but tell them again the date so they can mark their calendars saturday october 21st from 9 a.m till 2 p.m all right. Thank you so much, Jasmine and Jessica. Thank you, Terry. All right. We'll talk to you again soon. That's uh, Jasmine right. and Jessica from, from Community Connection Stop Biz. This is just a tremendous outdoor activity. You get Roxborough Park. You're going to be at Red Rocks now. So much to do, so much fun. It'll get you outdoors. Just a great activity, and you can learn so much. It's just interesting. We'll take a quick time out. When we come back, we're going to talk to the folks from the Colorado um, Wildlife Council and a little bit about them and their activities on Terry Wisham Outdoors, presented by Jack's Outdoor Gear on 104.3 The Fan. You're listening to Terry Wisham Outdoors on... 104.3 The Fan, brought to you in part by Jack's Outdoor Gear, locations up and down the front range. By the way, that bumper music that just played, that was the Eagles. But interesting thing about that, Jackson Brown actually wrote that piece, and uh, Mr. Fry from the Eagles helped him finish one line. He said, we co-wrote it, and the Eagles got to record it before Jackson Brown. Just a little history on the music there. Hey, let's go to the phones, and joining us from the Colorado Wildlife Council is Linnea Turner. Good morning. Good morning, Terry. How are you this morning? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing fine. Now, you're with the Colorado Wildlife Council, and I, I still think people get confused about the Wildlife Council. They're not sure what it is and what it does. Why don't you give us a real quick history of when and why the Wildlife Council was founded? Yeah, for sure. So the Colorado Wildlife Council is partnered with Colorado Parks and Wildlife, um, but the council is funded through the Wildlife Management Public Education Fund, which is a surcharge on every hunting and fishing license, only 150, but that goes directly to us for education outreach for the general public to talk to them about the benefits of wildlife, wildlife management, and wildlife-related rela- recreation, specifically hunting and fishing. And and what why what is the council made up of and and uh, how? And what kind of a mission do you have? We kind of said yeah, the mission, so we were, but yeah, we were formed in 1998, um, just by like a coalition of conservationists, outdoor recreationists, hunters, fishers, farmers, ranchers, and community leaders, um, in response to the banning of a spring bear hunt. Um, so our goal is just to educate the public about the benefits of outdoor recreation. Yeah, and there are numerous benefits. You know, people think about fishing, hunting, even wildlife watching, all these activities, oh, sure. and. And they don't necessarily understand the role First Parks and Wildlife plays in that, but also the role of the outdoor enthusiasts. You know, I, I always used to have a saying to the 
conservation movements as they started up over the last few decades. Having been an outdoor enthusiast myself for a long, long time because I'm older than dirt, but I used to say, mm-hmm. well, welcome aboard because the hunters and anglers were the original conservationists. We want to preserve our outdoor resources so we can maintain this heritage of outdoor recreation, don't we? Right, exactly. Yeah, hunters and anglers definitely appreciate the land and the wildlife, and all of their licensed dollars goes right back into conservation. Roughly $3.2 billion annually goes from the licensed dollars goes right back into conservation in Colorado. It really does. You know, I, I, for people who don't know, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but if you used to watch TV a, a few years ago, you used to see a hug an angler, hug a hunter commercials that right, really yeah. caught on. And those were put out by the Wildlife Council, weren't they? Correct. Yeah, those are our older campaigns. Um, we're actually coming out with a new one uh, later this month. I think it's like kind of get to know your local like wildlife biologist. Kind of just hear more about the, the science that goes behind it and then the conservation efforts that go towards the Colorado wildlife. So how do you go about, I know the TV commercials were one thing and you have these campaigns, but do you show up at events? How do you... How do you go about educating people of the value of outdoor recreation? Right, yeah. So I'm a part of the outreach team for the council. And, yeah, we go to events kind of around the state. We've been to a few in the Boulder area, um, maybe the Denver area, Colorado Springs area. And, yeah, we just have a booth there with some cool giveaways, um, some fun trivia facts. And then, yeah, we just educate the public about the benefits of wildlife, wildlife recreation, and hunting and fishing. Now, are you at any upcoming events that you can tell people about real quickly? Yeah, for sure. Um, we're going to be at the Banning Lewis Ranch Community Market. That's going to be, um, let me check the date, sorry. Um, that's going to be the 15th, and that's in Colorado Springs. And then we're also going to be at Juneteenth, which is like a bigger music festival in downtown Denver, and that's the weekend of the 17th. Now, I'm going to... I'm going to put you on the spot a little, and, I, and you can let me know if I'm uh, if, if you don't want to. But <clears throat> you and I didn't talk very much about you as an outdoor enthusiast, so I don't know if you are. But he, whether you were or not before you came into this, was there anything that was surprising to you about the value of outdoor recreation that you really hadn't thought about? Yeah, I mean, that's a, definitely a good question. I'm definitely a big outdoors person. I love um, fishing. Um, hiking, camping, being outside, you know, watching the wildlife. Uh, but, you know, last year I was a part of the the Minnesota Conservation Federation, like a program they have about specifically um, outdoor recreation, the benefits of licensing, and just like education up towards outdoor recreation. And there I learned how the license dollars goes right back into conservation. And that to me, like literally a year ago was surprising. But now that I've learned it, it's just like, yeah, that is really important for conservation. And I want to teach others the importance of that. Well, I know it's what we call the North American model. It's kind of unique uh, to this country. And one of the reasons we've had so much outdoor recreation access here, a lot of, if you travel the world, a lot of places, there is no free access to outdoor activities. And sometimes there aren't any organized outdoor activities or even good management of outdoor resources. And the North American model has always been that the consumers, the hunters, the anglers, the campers would pay for that model for the conservation of both the habitat and the wildlife and the entire public, whether they hunt or fish or not, really benefits, don't they? Yeah, exactly. I mean, you said it all. Like, we definitely take it for granted. I think here in Colorado, the amount of wildlife we have and the 
beautiful recreation opportunities we have. And I came from the Midwest, too, and, I mean, I just had a lot of opportunities there as well. So I definitely value conservation efforts. So is there anything people can do to learn more about the Wildlife Council or anything they can do to help? Um, yeah, definitely. I mean, we've got a website and we're on social media, too, so follow us there. And we've got newsletters. You can sign up for our newsletters to learn more about, you know, what we're doing. And then our our meetings also are open to the public, and all these dates and events will be on our website, as well as postings on our social media. So that's just the Colorado Wildlife Council on Instagram, Facebook, and then our website's just Google that. So it's just it. coloradowildlifecouncil.org, or? Uh, yes, it's cowildlifecouncil.org. And then also on Facebook. That sounds fantastic. Linnea, thank you. By the way, I'm in Minnesota today. I'm broadcasting from Minnesota. Oh, that's awesome. We're out of Minnesota. We're up in Brainerd. Where were you from? Oh, very cool. I went to school in Duluth, Minnesota. All right. Very familiar. We're going to be up on the Great Lakes here a little later this summer up in Grand Marais. Linnea, oh, thank awesome. you so much Enjoyed for joining me. Thank you so much for joining us and all the work that the Colorado Wildlife Council is doing. Yeah, thank you. Have a great rest of your day. All right, thank you, Linnea Turner. We're going to take a quick time out. When we come back, we're going to talk about one of the biggest, most incredible fisheries in this area of the country. It's not in Colorado, but it's really close. All that and more coming up on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, presented by Jack's Outdoor Gear and 104.3 The Fan. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Brought to you by Jack's Outdoor Gear on 104.3 The Fan. If you are an outdoor enthusiast, just go into a Jack store and kick the tires. Look around, see what they have, and the quality of the merchandise and the people. These people just love to take care of you in a Jack's Outdoor Gear store. Now, let's go to the phones. And joining us from Keith County, Nebraska, is Sean Rubeck. Good morning, Sean. Morning, Terry. You know, I say Keith County, and surprisingly, a lot of people in Colorado don't recognize that. They don't realize that within that county resides one of the outdoor gems in this part of the country, and that's for fishing, camping, boating, hiking, uh, swimming, whatever activity, and that's Lake McConaughey. It is truly a gem, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. I mean, just a quick trip from Denver, only about three hours up I-76. I mean, it's a gorgeous lake that we have out here with plenty of fun activities that you can take a part in. Really? I know the big question always comes up initially by the anglers, especially, are water levels and boat ramps. What are the conditions out there? And do you have any kind of a crystal ball you're looking ahead into? I, I wish I did. I get this question multiple times a week, but right now the lake's sitting at about 55%, which is still a very, very large lake. Um, we've got multiple boat ramps open at Martin Bay, Divers Bay, Burn Road, Lemoyne. Uh, we also have several services around the lake that will actually put your boat in and take it out for you if you choose to do that way. So access isn't a problem, and I want to talk about a lot of the activities, but the first one that I have to talk about is the fishing. Uh, there's no fish in Lake McConaughey, is that right? So nobody fishes there? 
Yeah, that's what I'm hearing. But yesterday, my wife caught a nice 23-inch walleye out of there, so I don't know where she found that one. But there (laughs) are plenty of fish out in the lake. I know uh, it just got stocked with uh, some walleye the other day. I've had reports of white bass being caught. I mean, there's plenty of catfish out there, too. Northerns are still out there. There's plenty of fish to be able to caught. You just have to come out and catch them. I actually have done several of my television shows at Lake McConaughey. And, folks, if you want to see any of those, just go to The Best of Fishing with Terry Wickstrom on YouTube. And I've done the walleyes with spoons and with bait rigs. I've done the catfish with Ron Seelhoff, who we lost here a few years ago. But we took a bunch of kids from the shore catching catfish. I've actually done the white bass. I don't think we filmed that. And I've done the smallmouth. It's just an incredible fishery. And another thing to make, though, if you're an avid walleye angler, not only is there action on all these species, but there is a great biomass of big walleyes in that lake, isn't there? Oh, yeah, definitely. I know uh, last year, I believe there was 124 master angler walleyes in the state of Nebraska, and 88 of them came out of Lake McConaughey. So we've got the trophy fish if you want to come get them. And there's also numbers, and it's uh, and you can fish in a variety of different ways for a variety of different species, and there's nice wipers, too. But let's, well, we, before we run out of time, let's move on to some of the other type of things that could go on there. Obviously, there's camping and swimming and boating. Uh, camping is by reservation only, but you have two different, you have several styles of camping. You have the main type campsites, which I believe are reservable starting at 90 days, but then you have something kind of unique, and that's beach camping. Tell us about the camping. Yeah, definitely. Those uh, camper hookups and everything are 180 days out. You can start making the reservations. Beach camping, there are certain spots along the beach of McConaughey uh, that are designated for beach camping only. And those reservations open up 30 days before uh, reservations can happen. So... Just a couple days ago, I had people call in wondering when they could start making reservations for the July 4th weekend, and that's already passed, and I know that's filling up quick. Now, the beach camping, though, is there's quite, especially with the water level down a little bit, you have more beach camping, and as far as that goes, beach and swimming activity available, don't you? Yeah, definitely. With that, it's pros and cons with that water level low. The pro of it is we have tons of white sand beaches ready to go for whatever activity you decide, whether it be coming out camping, building sand castles, whatever it may be, we've got plenty of beach line for you. Well, and the beach camping is a unique experience. Now, if you if people think, well, I don't have a tent, but you don't need a tent. You can have a big RV and still beach camp. And if you're afraid to, like, pull it down or drive it down yourself, think you might get buried in the sand, you actually have services that do that for you. Oh, yeah. We have several services all throughout the lake that are more than happy to help out and hook up and pull your camper down right to the beach or right to the water line. I know we've done that before. Nothing better than waking up in the morning, opening that camper door, and you're about three feet from the water. Yeah, it's it's an awesome experience, and they'll get you in and out if you need to. And there's a lot of room because the water's down, so there's a chance that there's a lot of campsites available if you want to make a reservation. Let's talk a little bit about surrounding Keith County. Now, I used to do a lot of camping, and 
there's a reason I'm Hilton Diamond now. I spend I do a lot of time in the outdoors, but I I also spend a lot of time in a nice warm room and go to a restaurant to eat. You have a lot of that available out there too. Yeah, definitely. I mean, here just in the last year, I believe we're up to 60 or 75 different Airbnbs, VRBOs. We've got several different hotels. We've actually got a new one being built at the moment. So we've got plenty of other amenities to be able to stay if you don't want to camp. We've also got a great selection of restaurants. Ogallala just opened their first brewery, Second Chapter Brewing, uh, here a couple months ago. So there's all different kinds of activities to take part in when you're done at the lake. And, you know, we didn't mention Lake Ogallala either, which offers is right next to Lake Mac. Mac empties into it, and it provides a little different experience. Yeah, that lake is a totally different world. There's a lot of trout down there. It's kind of a hidden oasis down there. You're kind of on the backside of the dam, so you've got a much... uh, a much different scenery with that outflow coming, lots of trees and everything for shade, much calmer waters than what you'd get at Lake McConaughey. Now, there's several ways you can research, and people will do a lot of Googling and all that, but there is one site that really gives you everything out there, isn't there? Yeah, and that's ilovelakemac.com. Uh, our website is full of information for not only the lake, but for Ogallala and Keith County as a whole. With that, we have an app that's in the App Store and the Google Play Store. In that app, what we're doing is we're giving away a free weekend trip every quarter this year to come out to Keith County and enjoy it. From that first quarter, we actually have our first guest coming out next weekend to take advantage of that. What that includes is two nights stay in a hotel, uh, vouchers for food, as well as an excursion of your choice. And this couple that's coming out picked to go out with one of our guide services and go catch some of those walleye we were talking about. And you also have a number of other events going on you can find out on the site. Tell us about a few of the upcoming events. Yeah, definitely. While you're out here, we've got a free concert series on Friday nights here in Ogallala. We've got three more of those coming up this summer, June 16th, June 30th, and July 7th. Free concert at Rendezvous Square here in town goes from about 6 at night till 9 at night. And then every Saturday morning in that same square, we've got a farmer's market that is set up from 8 a.m. to noon. Coming up here uh, at the end of July, we have our annual Kites and Castles event, which is a huge event that brings people from all over. I think last year's winners were from Cheyenne, Wyoming. But you put together your team and build a uh, sand sculpture and are awarded prizes. So we've got several different events, and we've actually got a big one that I wanted to announce on your show, Terry. Uh, There's been rumblings of it, but nothing's really been said for sure about it. But after uh, nine years, we're bringing back the ATV Jamboree at Lake McConaughey. So this is an event where ATVs, UTVs can come out and tear around on the designated beaches of Lake McConaughey, which normally ATVs and UTVs aren't allowed on the beach. So it's a very exciting opportunity that'll be happening September 29th, 30th, and October 1st. And once again, let people know where they can find all this information. So, yeah, all that information is available on ilovelakemac.com or the Lake Mac app that you can find in the App Store or the Google Play Store. Yeah, and I'll tell you what, I've spent many, many hours fishing Lake McConaughey. It is truly one of the great fisheries in this part of the country. Sean, thanks for joining us, and your enthusiasm for the area certainly comes through. Thank you, Terry. Have a great day. 
You bet. We'll talk to you again very soon. Thanks. Uh, you know, folks, I'm serious. I love I love Lake Mac, not just the website, but I've done some of the really tremendous fishing trips out there. So give it a try. I mean, it's three-hour drive, and it's, there's places in Colorado that are further away than that. We're going to take a timeout. When we come back, Mr. Zelinsky is going to join us. We're going to talk fishing, but he's going to talk hunting. And I know you're thinking, oh, it's, it's June. But trust me, in Colorado, successful hunting is almost a year-round experience. All of that and more coming up on Terry Wicksham Outdoors, presented by Jack's Outdoor Gear on 104.3 The Fan.